speaking of quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith, a podcast by the Haverford Trust Company. On Speaking of Quality, Hank chats with authors, influencers, and wealth management experts to bring a sense of clarity and calm to the complexity and stress of personal finance. And now, here's your host, Hank Smith. Welcome to another episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. I'm your host, Hank Smith, Director and Head of Investment Strategy at the Haverford Trust Company. On this podcast, we explore topics ranging from quality investing, retirement resilience, stock market trends, estate planning, small business ownership, and behavioral psychology, and more. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Sam Hankin, founder and owner of the award-winning Wellington Square Bookshop, an independent bookstore in Exton, Pennsylvania. Sam is also the host of the Avid Reader Show, a podcast for book lovers featuring interviews, recommendations, and insider news. Sam, thanks for joining me today and welcoming me to your bookstore to record this podcast. I have to say this is the most unique and intriguing bookstore I've ever been in, and it's more than a bookstore. Tell us a little bit about uh, the genesis of, of this store and, and what you're trying to achieve. Well, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't know how much I know about quality investing, but uh, I can give it a try. So, your question about the bookstore. I've loved books since uh, my aunt, Jean, gave me uh, rockets in space travel when I was uh, recuperating from tonsillitis. And, uh, and then, you know, it just, it just continued on and on. And as we've talked about in the past, um, my mother has a library named after her. My father has a library named after him. And my brother's been head of the Chester County Library Board for a long time. So it seems only natural that I have a bookstore. And I started in 2005, and it's gradually morphed into the bookstore you see today. But you're also a uh, trained lawyer and, and a practicing lawyer today as well. Yeah, I practiced in Florida primarily with uh, medical negligence and products liability. And part of the reason I did it was because you read a lot, and it's not routine like real estate work. Uh, each case is different, whether you're learning about the superior mesenteric artery or you're learning about safety shields on circular saws. But you end up getting a, a lot of knowledge. And granted, there's an injury and it's maybe catastrophic, but it's also really fun to learn as much as you can about a specific topic. So is it true you have read most of the titles, if not all the titles in this book? Well, not the new ones, because I really don't read that much popular fiction anymore. But the books over there, um, that's how the bookstore started. There was, my whole house was full of books. So I thought, oh, I'll bring them down here. And then when I went back home, there they were again. It was like coat hangers multiplying in your closet. <laughs> That's terrific. Um, now, you have a gift. You are a speed reader. How did you develop that skill? I don't know how much of it I retain, uh, but I took the Evelyn Wood speed reading course um, when I was, I guess, 13 or 14. And we read The Pearl by John Steinbeck, and we read Sink the Bismarck. And um, I read each in 17 minutes with 85% comprehension. I've slowed down because I would rather have 100% comprehension. <laughs> so that, that leads me to two different uh, related questions. One is, do you uh, read electronically, like off of iPads or Kindles, or you, you always have the physical book? I like the physical book, and every single person who comes in here 
doesn't use a Kindle or iPad because they usually say, I feel like I'm holding the author in my hands. When I'm traveling, however, I'm not going to travel with 10 pounds of books like Bill Gates does. I'm going to put them all on my iPad and I can basically have the entire library of the world on that device. So I have a colleague, our chief investment officer, who's a prodigious reader, but I learned he really isn't reading. He's listening to books on tape. Do you consider that reading? I would do it, except when I'm driving, listening to books on tape, I generally miss my exit. <laughs> and so it's caused me some consternation, so I've given up on that. Well, if it's a lengthy book on tape, that's okay. Yeah, but I might end up in New Jersey. <laughs> so um, Wellington Bookstore is, as I mentioned, is much more than a bookstore. It's um, a gift shop, a candy store, uh, a cafe. Um, was that your original intent when you, when you started this 19 years ago? No, I was looking to do a minimalist type bookstore and gradually it's gotten more and more cluttered, like uh, Diagon Alley and Harry Potter. Um, but the cafe, well, you know, I was telling you before, every day I make people happy, every day I make people laugh. And I really can't think of anything else that you'd rather do in the world and how much that is helpful to people. It makes a difference in their life. And um, obviously the community here is very important to you and, and this seems as a, a wonderful uh, community gathering spot. Um, and it must mean a lot to the uh, people in this, in this area. In Eagle View, I think it's definitely a value added proposition. And uh, some people <laughs> like to escape <laughs> their lives in here because they feel much more comfortable. And you know, we have tons of book clubs, we have all kinds of gatherings and author readings. Um, and, and that makes a big difference too. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, uh, The Avid Reader, and how long have you been doing it, and how often do you uh, interview authors? Well, I've had it for about 12 years. I've interviewed about 1,000 authors. As I said, I started with things like Gone Girl, or Jojo Moyes, Eric Larson, who's a great guy, uh, David Mitchell. But now I've kind of uh, turned towards science and nonfiction, um, books about uh, the Cosmos, Nobel Prize literates about, uh, uh, Nobel Prize winners about things like time crystals and cosmology, uh, the seat of human consciousness, and that's really begun to intrigue me. And sometimes I interview one author a week, sometimes depending on my producer, I'll interview three authors a week, which is really difficult to do, and, uh, uh, and sometimes it, it may be longer. But the interesting thing is post-COVID, uh, and I call them COVID paradoxes. Um, authors used to go from town to town and they'd get to talk to maybe 100 people and sell their book, but they realize now on Zoom, the world is their audience and they can be sitting in their living room. Um, and as uh, Paul Harding was doing, he was folding towels <laughs> while he was talking to me, which is probably more important. You know, um, COVID, while well, it was a disaster in, in many ways, um, the technology that came out of COVID has been a true productivity enhancer. You mentioned Zoom. Uh, doing Zoom meetings, while uh, I don't think is preferable to face-to-face -face meetings, you can do four or five client meetings a day where, you know, traveling 
the Eagle View or traveling further west to Harrisburg, you might only be able to do one client meeting for the day. Um, tell me how COVID affected uh, this business, uh, both initially and then subsequently today. Well, obviously we re retained all of our team because I said earlier, you know, you want to make people happy, you want to make your employees happy, and you want to do a good job. And during COVID, we delivered books. People could come outside and get them. And uh, as I said, when you're talking about Zoom, it, it's a paradox. Uh, authors want to be interviewed on Zoom. The only problem I have is like in, in the legal profession, everyone wants to do depositions by Zoom. I can't tell if a person is telling the truth or not without them being here, um, that I can eyeball them. And uh, that I don't like at all, but I'm a dinosaur. You know, it, it, um, I gave a, a presentation uh, a week ago and um, on our 2024 economic outlook. And I asked one of my colleagues to ask a chat GPT to uh, do a 20 minute 2024 economic outlook. And um, so I read it. it, it was reasonable. It had all the right words and always makes sense. Then I said, what's missing is I need data points. So chat GPT, give me some data points. And about 50% of them were uh, terribly wrong. So it reminded me of the New York, New York City attorney that had to uh, give a deposition and, and, or write a brief right. and ask GPT to do it. And it was beautifully written, except for the cases were all made up. Yeah, every citation was wrong, and he's probably the most embarrassed person in the world. He felt horrible afterwards. He felt as if he was doing a good job. And, you know, the problem is with students in schools now. I mean, I think it's a great resource. But just like anything else, you know, if, if, if you copy it or you cheat on the SATs, it's your moral compass that's deciding what happens. Yeah, and that'll only catch up to you in the real world. You get away with it in academia, but it'll catch up. Yeah, and it just depends on how AI eventually changes us, and it's going to be dramatic. Um, you can't slow down technology. That's our view, but there are two two different points of view on that. Right. The candle makers were afraid of the light bulb, said it wasn't safe. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy. Um, what do you want uh, the Wellington Bookstore, what do you want it to say about your legacy in both the community and beyond Sam Hankin? That's a good question. Um, when a kid comes in here and wants to buy War and Peace, um, he's going to read it. And he's never forget. He's never going to forget that he came in here to get it. And especially, it's especially true with kids. When they come in here and find a book, whether it's a Harry Potter book that leads them to Lord of the Rings, that leads them further, um, that's what I'm looking for. And, and like I said, you know, you know, if you're honest and if you do a good job, if you make your clients happy, if you make your team happy, and if if you do all those things and not worry about money, as my father said, the money generally will come. And the legacy I want is just, and I might put this whole thing in trust so that my team stays here. Uh, the legacy I want is just, life is about gathering information and what better place to gather than here. And, and uh, 
and a beautiful place to spend uh, to spend some uh, time for Thanks. for sure. Um, tell us about the the different uh, types and categories of books that you have here. When I originally started the bookstore, I had a uh, a collection, even a special room that I locked for rare and collectible books. They're difficult to sell now. You know, you sell them online, um, but gradually from a collection of used books, we went to the current bestsellers, and then that morphed into retail. Um, and then we began to branch into nonfiction. And now we have pretty much every genre. And because I like science fiction so much, I have the luxury of painting the back wall with science fiction books. It's nice to have the luxury to be able to do what you want, and I don't take it for granted. Right. Uh, how about, um, do you have a business book, for example? Yeah, we do. And it's funny, you know, given your vast expertise in wealth and accumulation of the same, I find that books like Freakonomics and books like The Big Short are for certain people, but they're not, you know, every time I see you on NBC, you're talking about investors. You're not talking about speculators or day traders. So I prefer to go back to like David Hume, Jeremy Bentham, John Stuart Mill, Keynes, um, even moving forward to, um, to Milton Friedman. And those are the kind of economic books I like. And so I stock them and I really don't care whether people like them or not. <laughs> Cause it's just, I do that. That's, that's great. Well, it's your store. You yep, can, you can do it exactly what you, what, what you want. Uh, I have been here last year and I can vouch that your section on cookbooks is very uh, intriguing and uh, walked away with a, with a couple myself. And I will check your uh, business and economic section after this uh, podcast. So, yeah, I know you're a great chef and uh, <laughs> I'm not, but we're looking at the cookbooks over there and we have a really good selection. We, you know, that's the other thing. I, I can't curate popular fiction, but part of the idea of having this team that's excellent is they curate it perfectly. Someone comes in and asks me what's a good beach read. I have no idea. Right. You're not stocking John Clancy. Uh, no, there's no. certain authors I just, they're very popular. I'm not saying they're not good, but they're not coming through the window. I'm not going to have uh, Prince Harry's book in here. Right. This is not a um, train depot bookstore. No. <laughs> not at or all. an airport bookstore. No. That, that's, uh, that's terrific. Um, so I'm sure you get this question, uh, both from customers. Um, tell us about some of your favorite books. Well, when I was a kid, uh, the reason I started was because of science fiction writers like Robert Heinlein, Ray Bradbury, Theodore Sturgeon, Isaac Asimov. And that led me into the science. And what's really amazing is that those guys were so predictive. So much of what's happening now was predicted, say, like, uh, in Neuromancer by William Gibson. Uh, this is a guy that never looked at a hard drive, but everything he said is exactly what's happening today. So what I do is like, um, I follow that train of thought. And so people like David Mitchell, um, lots of, uh, when I interview uh, Nobel laureates who have discovered time crystals or worked with Richard Feynman, my hero, those are the kind of people I'm looking for. Um, granted, it's a, it's a narrow scope, but it's the one I love. So, Along the same lines, you've done a thousand interviews. Uh, tell us about some of the uh, 
uh, better ones and some of the duds. I'm not going to mention names, but there was one guy, very famous author, and I simply asked him, tell us a little bit about what your book's about. And he just paused. And I had to stop, and he looked at me and he goes, what exactly is my book about? <laughs> so I had to tell him, he had forgotten exactly what the theme of his book was. But for the most part, everybody's comfortable, everybody's very natural, and everybody, everybody likes to be interviewed by a close reader. And I don't think it's fair to not read the book before you interview. It's not like Good Morning America where someone says, what's your book about? And that's the question. Uh, I need to read it closely in order to ask the questions I want to. It's not like I'm praising myself. It just seems like a duty and an, uh, you know, an opportunity as well and an obligation. It makes for a better interview. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for, for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe that uh, author who you did not want to mention the name, maybe he was using AI. Oh no, he would he would have he would kill you for that because I asked him, you know, it's it was historical fiction and I asked him, you know, so you make up some of this dialogue. He goes, "No. It was said. I have a footnote for everything that everybody said." So, he did his research. I like the guys who do their research, who have notes and bibliographies at the end of the books they relied on. Because then you get on the rabbit hole, which I don't like that expression, but then you go to Wikipedia, you drill down, you find other authors. That's what's that's what's really great about this job. So Sam, when you started the Wellington Bookstore, did you think of yourself as an entrepreneur and, and this as an entrepreneurial endeavor? I couldn't take away from the fact that I started as a law student, practiced law, was a developer in Florida, here in Pennsylvania, um, kind of had had serial careers, which I think is a good way to live. But I realized that entrepreneurship is, and I hate to use the word scalable, if if you do this, you can also move on to something else. You can move on to something bigger. And if you keep the precepts that we discussed earlier, do a good job, um, keep your nose to the grindstone, make people happy. And if you're a lawyer, give them, if you can, using your zealous representation, the result that they wanted. And that's what this is all result oriented to. And so I think you can lay this template on pretty much anything as long as you follow some, basically, it's the golden rule. If you follow the golden rule, you're probably going to work out okay. And this has brought you much happiness. And what a way to, to live your life, being, being happy and giving back as well. It's a bad life being miserable, uh, you know, 18 hours a day at, at your job. Yeah. Quoting my father again, he said, if you wake up wanting to go to work, you have a pretty good life. And it's a seven-day weekend. He wanted to. He wanted to work on Sunday. Yes. Yeah, it was horrible for us. But <laughs> it worked out fine in the end. It did. It definitely did. Sam, I can't thank you enough for having us here at your unique bookstore, and thank you for your time. This has been a wonderful podcast. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on, and thank you even more for deciding to take the trek out here to the bookstore and uh, have this here. It means the world to me. So thanks a lot, Hank. It's a beautiful ride and uh, greatly appreciated. To our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Wellington Square Bookshop, please visit wellingtonsquarebooks.com or visit in person at 549 Wellington Square in Exton, Pennsylvania. Also, make sure to tune in to the Avid Reader podcast, a 
available on your favorite podcast players. Thank you for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality Wealth Management Insights. Our next episode will be released shortly. In the meantime, please send suggestions or questions for me or the Haverford Trust team to marketing at haverfordquality.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Hank Smith. Stay bullish. Thanks for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith. To hear future episodes of Speaking of Quality, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Haverford Trust Company, please visit www.haverfordquality.com. This podcast is provided as general commentary and market overview and should not be relied upon as research, a forecast, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt an investment strategy. Any opinions expressed are as of the date this podcast was recorded and may change at any time, and are the opinions of that commentator, not Haverford's. Any opinion or information provided are believed by Haverford to be reliable at the time of this podcast recording, but are not necessarily all-inclusive or guaranteed for accuracy. Before making any financial decisions, please consult with an investment professional.